Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn. That's me alongside uh, some crack football aficionados, media executive Grail Hallett and soccer journalist and the man who keeps the trains running on time here at Over the Ball, producer Sam Griswold. Today on OTB, we talked to former Fox host, former ESPN host, and former male model, now the voice of LAFC. Boy, this guy, Max Bredos, he can't keep a job. But before we get going, guys, uh, with all that is happening in the world of football, uh, our football, as it were, what are you guys over today on Over the Ball? And by the way, Sam, why don't you go first? And did you notice I used the word aficionado in the opening? Is that, is wow. that an Italian words or is that yeah. Italian or Latin? What is that? Uh, it's not Italian because it oh, ends, it Spanish, ends with a D-O. I'm not sure where it comes from. It doesn't come uh, from UMass. We know that. Uh, hey, easy there. Little <laughs> D3 state school boy. So what I'm over this week is just these international games that have been going on, you know, this past week. We had the break. I mean, I understand you have to get some of these qualifying games done in South America, but these Nations League games in Europe just seem so worthless to me. Unnecessary. Now you're getting all these, you know, positive tests from people traveling all over the place i mean you know you had italy as uh, a player uh, stefan al-sharawi come in from china to play um and it's just insane i mean and this was really the first time watching these nations league games during this whole thing where i felt like you know it doesn't feel like these guys are like really giving this their all you know and there's no fans right there's no fans. There's no, you know, you're not playing for a spot at the Euros in, the, in this edition. And it's, I, I don't know. It just seemed like a complete waste of time to me. All right. Mr. Negative this morning. All right. What do you got, Grill? <laughs> uh, I'm over American businessmen trying to impose their will on um, other people's sports. And Wait, we'll weren't in, you one of those? Now, we'll get into that in more detail, <laughs> I think, once we get into the show. But, yeah, this whole thing with uh, Project Big Picture and the the – John Henry and Joel Glazer, the know-it-alls of business. Cause yeah, but wait, though. You know, we'll we'll get to that. You can yeah. sort of unpack that for us a little later yeah. on. But, I mean, look, the Premier League was in sort of not great financial straits. And uh, I think, you know, it, it's like the top four teams ran everything there. And then you have all these other little teams who are just, just happy to be in the, in the Premier League. You know, they don't want to go back to D1. You know, so it's but like a, but we'll get into this plenty. The whole idea behind this was really solidifying and centralizing the power of the top clubs. So right, even though right. they were throwing a bone to the other teams, it was really all about actually gaining more power for the biggest teams. So. Sort of a move towards a Super League maybe? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I just, again, I think it was people just imposing their will uh, and, and saying, we think this is best, and it was be- it's best for a very few number of teams. What better way to just figure out how to not pay taxes and skirt the <laughs> truth and paying your fair share than American businessmen? Who we, you know, exactly. we have a great American export that we have there. Don't yeah. pay your taxes. So uh, I'm over basically, you know, and a lot of these guys that you're mentioning are other sports owners in other sports. So they're trying to take some sort of American. Uh, you know, ways of doing things and, and moving it to the other sports. What I'm, uh, I was basically laughing at is like NFL is acting like they're the first team to be in a bubble and they haven't done it very well. 
um, you know, for a number of reasons. I, I don't know whether it's the, the nature of the sport, but they act like they're the first ones going through this. And it's like, you know, Germany and England and Italy, everybody has done this. They've been doing it. MLS did it. NBA just finished up their season. It's like, God, get over yourselves, guys. Yeah. My God. I can't even keep up with baseball, guys, because every night there's a game. I mean, every single night, oh, excuse me, every night there are two games because they're cramming right. so much baseball into such a small window that honestly, I just cannot even keep up with it. All right. So, uh, Sam, you were talking about these uh, Nations Leagues games that people have been playing, guys, you know, flying from all over the world and, um, you know, making sure COVID is spread throughout the, the entire, <laughs> entire universe. People are getting it, contracting it on Mars, I think. But what I thought was funny is Cristiano Ronaldo got COVID. And it was a guy who uh, two people actually in town or I'm talking to who know nothing about soccer. They knew. So they know nothing about soccer. They don't follow it at all. But somehow that news penetrated the, uh, the, the media atmosphere here. Which I yeah, I, I guess not a surprise to shows Ronaldo's, you know, reach. But, um, you know, the whole Juventus team is now in quarantine. And uh, Weston McKenney, U.S. national team player, is also tested positive. So uh, that's too bad. And we'll obviously keep an eye on that. Um, Ronaldo tested positive while he was in Portugal on international duty. So it's, I, I don't know if it's clear exactly where he picked it up along the way, but he's already Piece returned. Lingu- big piece of linguiça probably at the dinner there. <laughs> he's <laughs> already returned to Italy to do his quarantine, which I think was against a few protocols. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just hard to keep track of what the, you know, rationale is what the, you know, protocol says. And uh, yeah. Um, just to, to recap on last week when I mentioned that Juventus got a three, nothing win um, at the, you know, off the field basically because Napoli didn't show up to their game and Napoli got penalized a point. That decision has been upheld uh, Mm. as of now, which is, you know, going to lead to some further controversy and more appeals. Uh, the, the rules do pretty clearly state if you have enough players to play, you have to travel and play the game. You put anyone who's tested positive into isolation and you get on with the season. So uh, the main trouble in this one is, you know, that Italy is a very divided nation um, and certain regions do things their own way. And you know. Not like America. We, we, used to, <laughs> I don't know, we used to play with eight guys in some Cosmopolitan League games where guys just would no-show. And, and think about going into a match knowing you're three men down, but you'd be like, hey, man, we're playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Many. Uh, actually, I was referring right? to the Portuguese stuff that I had, you know, three guys red carded in a single game when I was playing for the Hartford Portuguese. And I mentioned the, the food. I fell in love with Portuguese food. And oh, yeah. With Todd. And, oh, man, it was fantastic. So, uh, all right. So, and McKenney has it too now. So, McKenney has COVID. But also, um, Sam, you, you forwarded me a really great uh, little ad by Adidas. I don't even, it wasn't even an ad, really. It was just sort of a statement, right? Yeah, it's about a, a minute and a half long video that McKenney made with Adidas, um, you know, discussing, uh, you know, his role and speaking out against, uh, you know, what's going on here in the United States, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and it's really powerful. I, you know, I'll tweet it out as part of this uh, part of the show this week. Um, you know, it was really also, nice. Uh, yeah, it's very, I mean, yeah. it's right, cool. nice. It's also, you know, really sad to hear some of the things he says, yeah. about, you know, being a, a black man um, in the United States. But um, it's certainly worth watching. I think everyone it's, it's also it. just smart marketing by Adidas, you know, because I, I just think as a, as a corporation, putting that out there to a huge segment of the population endears you to those people because you're giving McKenney that, that window right, to express himself. And I, I think it's a really positive mood by Adidas. 
Yeah, and he's a he's a he's a bright young man, and so yeah. it's sort of uh, it's good to get that message out there. So, uh, so Grail, you put your media spin there on uh, on that your your big business eyes on this thing because it's like, look, Adidas. I guess at the end of the day, are just trying to sell boots, but um, yeah. but it was a great message anyway. And I didn't think they put they weren't too heavy on buy our boots. It was really about geez, what's they, right? don't, they don't need to be. It's all subliminal, you know? right? And also to to empathize with this young man. Yep. You know, so um, also I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, we talked about a little bit here um, a second ago, Project Big Picture. Um, so it was basically spearheaded by John Henry. Yeah. So John Henry, uh, the owner of Liverpool and uh, Man United's Joel Glazer decided that they uh, well. And, and then I, I, I also have to mention that the EFL chairman, which is the English Football League, which represents all the leagues other than the Premier League. They kind of had this like nefarious meetings to come up with this proposal to really change the Premier League fairly radically. And it, and it talked about reducing the teams from 20 to 18, doing away with the Carabao Cup and the Community Shield. Um, yes, there was, uh, there was part of the proposal was channeling uh, 250 million uh, pounds in what they call the rescue package for the 72 EFL clubs. So that would, to me, though, was like the distraction from the actual heist that was taking place, which was we're going to concentrate a lot more power in the top six teams, not give every team a say, have fewer teams have a say in decisions made, you know, about the uh, Premier League. And, uh, and, and again, having lived in England as an American, I can just tell you that the reaction to having two Americans you know, coming in and trying to tell the Premier League how oh, to run nice. their sport. I mean, in any yeah, circumstance, but- there would be backlash. In this circumstance, you know, two Yanks don't tell us what to do. Yeah, Come well, on. I mean, look, times have changed, though, and they got to get used to it because certainly what, what would be better, a couple of Russian oligarchs coming in there and telling you what no, to I'm, do? I'm, so. I'm just saying, though, Flinny, you, you've already got, uh, I would say, some, um, some cynicism, yeah. some cynicism about American businessmen to begin with. And, uh, and again, it, it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is, but the, uh, there was a, it was roundly rejected by the uh, Premier League shareholders, by the other teams, and they were outraged that it was done in secret. I think that was the thing. Well, that's that really uncool. That's totally uncool. Yeah. People crazy is they didn't bring people into the fold. They were just like, hey, we got an idea and this is what it's going to be. And uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And, and who knows what it's not going to go through but who knows what the lasting effect. Well, I'd say don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are probably some good proposals within that and then not in the power grab part. But, you know, look, we've talked about this just about, you know, Sam and your opening there. It was too many games these guys are playing. So the EPL, same thing, Carabao Cup and the Community Shield. I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry a big tear if I, those went away. These guys are playing too many games. We keep yeah. adding games and tournaments and Champions League and, you know, so FA Cup. There's, there's lots of games. So, you know, yeah, the I, I think is, everybody agrees they're playing too many games, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, though, funny that it, it just came across as a blatant power grab and a consolidation of power among the few teams under the auspices of helping the other teams, right. like the other, the low, <laughs> the lowly level teams. We're going to rescue you. I'm while doing we, this. I'm doing this for you. Dominate the world while we dominate the world. I'm doing this for you. Well, interestingly enough, uh, yeah. we'll be watching this weekend. Uh, NBC and NBC Sports, I guess. Um, oh man, are we having got the games, some great right? games. Yeah, we got Everton, Liverpool. I'm looking forward Derby, to that one. The Mersey Derby at Goodison Park. So, and Everton's in uh, first place. 
and then uh, Man City Arsenal. Yes, and, and you don't have to go to Peacock. How do you like that? They're going to be on the regular NBC nice. Sports Network and NBC. Isn't that nice? Hey, I'm also watching Yellowstone, which has been pretty good. That's been part of my Peacock package. So it's just okay. a little bonus. It's like the pickle when you get a sandwich. It's just Is that the Kevin Cosner show? Yeah, the Kevin Costner show. Is it is it pretty good? Yeah, it is. I've enjoyed okay. it quite quite right. a bit, man. A lot of uh, a lot of badass stuff going on there. So, <laughs> um, hey, I wanted to mention quickly um, a quote by Christian Pulisic. He said, uh, "Don't overhype everyone on the national team because I guess a lot of these young guys, you know, and rightly so, uh, Dest and Arena and you know uh, McKinney and, and Tyler Adams are getting a lot of you know press about what what impact they'll have." on the national team and the, the impact that they're having on, you know, really big clubs right now. And he said, don't hype overhype everyone, which has happened in the past. Be patient and let our team form a bit. So I think the, I think the, the quote, don't you think was, uh, was him basically saying, don't talk about them. Like you were talking about me because it put too much pressure on me. Yeah. And I think just providing a little cover, to be honest with you. I mean, um, it, there are going to be some bumps in the road. You look at the ages of these guys, you know, Pulisic 22, Adams 21, Reyna 18, McKinney 22, Dest 19. They're all really young guys, you know, and they're yeah. going to be thrust into the spotlight here. And uh, I, uh, I, I think it also shows um, kind of Pulisic's maturity. Right. Him, right. him kind of grabbing the mantle of leadership. So I, he, I like it. He, he has always seemed to say the right thing and um, it, it should be fun to, to look at that. Uh, what are your thoughts, Sam? Well, I think, you know, on the national team, when they're all playing together, I could mm-hmm. see, you know, it being an issue and people love to, you know, focus on all these guys, but I don't, you know, other than Pulisic, I think everyone's kind of protected in a way because it, it's just a fact that, you know, the, the Bundesliga and City are just not that closely followed here. Um, and I don't think, I mean, maybe McKenney being over there, you know, Reyna coming up with Dortmund will change things to a certain extent, but I just think the premier league has become, you know, the sort of appointment viewing regardless of who's playing. I mean, you know, Pulisic sure. Cause he's playing there, but I think the other guys will be all right for the time being. And, right, and you've so, got, and you've just quickly, Flinny, sorry, you've got these five great, talented players. And of course, the uh, million dollar question is, Ber, you know, Burhalter getting them to gel together on that team, you know? Sorry, and, and La Liga, I should mention yeah. that, where, where Dest is, is again, not yeah. that closely followed here. Right. But, you know, Grail, I think you're right there too. And it's unrealistic. Like, like these players come in to a system that's already formed, there's lots of players around them, they, they play their role. And what happens tends to happen is uh, you you go to the national team and suddenly somebody's talking about putting you at a position, the position you're playing at Barcelona, you're playing at Borussia Dortmund. So you're suddenly trying to find, you know, your legs and, uh, you know, guys who played, you realize you're playing outside back. All of a sudden they they move you to holding midfield. You're like, Oh, it's, it's an adjustment. Um, And so they're used to playing with guys. I mean, I hate to say this, but everybody around them on those teams are, excellent players they're excellent they're top notch so they're not going to be getting the same passes from the guy that may be behind them on the u.s men's national team i'm not not disparaging them (laughs) but they're just playing at a different level they're playing for the best clubs in the world right but and also but i always said even in in my playing experience whenever you went down a level they expected more of you than what you were being signed for you know Uh, yeah you know, but the flip side them. is, Flinny, as you know, that you tend to play down the level of the people around you and you play, tend to play up to the level of the, right? right. So, right. so, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I do, th- I think it is helpful that Burhalter played a big part of his career 
uh, abroad. So I think mm -hmm. he'll be able to relate. He'll be able to help them in terms of what he went through as a foreign, as an American playing on foreign. So I think that could be really beneficial, actually. Right. And we were also provincial. It's not the same, you know, now these kids, I mean, they're much more worldly, I think. So, um, yeah. so hopefully that really shapes the national team in a positive way because we could use it. Come out of a pandemic and let's be ranked number one in the world. Uh, Champions League, Europa League gets underway uh, next week. CBS, uh, this is kind of in your sphere, Grail. Um, if you've ever the Galazzo show. They're doing a great job. They seem like they're, they're making the right choices. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, they're, they're going to have eight hours of live Champions League coverage during wow. all the group stage match days. And they're across multiple platforms. You know, they're on... CBS Sports Network, CBS All Access, CBS Sports HQ. So I think as a as a uh, service to the fans who are watching kind of you know you know regular CBS and may not be subscribers to these other services, they're going to have the show which pulls it all together. Like a they call it a whip around show where you have right. three or four studio guests and they're just talking about the different games and recapping, showing highlights, stuff like that. I think it's great. Look, I think CBS is really investing big dollars in this and, and good for that. Good. A lot of good matchups too. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit, Sam? Okay. Uh, I don't No, I don't have these in front of me. Well, they got the Celtics and Rangers and uh, Inter. I mean, Man City, Arsenal. I mean, there's some good stuff there. So then we have, wait, 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 that, that's not champions league. That's no, no, just I'm, this weekend. I'm just saying, yeah, week games this weekend, matchups. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll take you. We got the top five matches of the weekend per 538, um, which does this little rating based on, you know. Yeah, I didn't give you a segue there, there, did I, Sam? I just jumped to the next thing. That was well, a no, weird I, I, connection. My, my eyes went right to the Man City <laughs> Arsenal game and also Celtic, you know, Celtic Rangers. I was like looking at that. So I wanted to Delta. talk about that. So sorry, boys. So, uh, well, sure, I'll just go through them. I mean, so what 538 does is, you know, give each game a rating based on the quality overall quality of the two teams and the importance of the games uh, in the respective leagues. Uh, this is not looking at champions in Europa League. This is just domestic competitions for this weekend. Number one on the list is Celtic Rangers Saturday at seven 30 in the morning. That has a score of 83. I don't know that how you watch hatred in that rivalry, Sam. Yeah. I don't know how you get that on TV here, but. I'm sure someone can figure it out. Um, uh, Inter against Milan, the Milan Derby, Saturday at noon. That gets a score of 77. Uh, Man City Arsenal, Saturday, 1230, which you already mentioned, Grail. That's uh, also a 77. Napoli Atalanta, Saturday morning at 9. That's a 73. And then Sporting versus Porto in the Portuguese League is at 72. And that's Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Sam, can I ask you a question about the Inter-AC Milan match? Because they sure. play at the same stadium, correct? Yes. So how do they do that? They just, when they play each other, one's the home, one's the away, when they actually match up against each other and they just flip it? Is that yeah, how yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right, so uh, same thing I, with Lazio and Roma in Rome. Okay. Yeah. All right, so I, I basically you had CBS talking about a whip around, and then I did a whip around <laughs> Flitty, on YouTube guys. So Flitty basically hops like thirty thousand oh. miles across the globe in a nanosecond. My ADD man, you shouldn't have played with me. It was worse. <laughs> um, and you know, UEFA Nations League, you, you talked a little bit about that in the opening about how you didn't like it, but uh, was that the results you were talking about? Italy, Netherlands. Uh, so the Netherlands and Italy drew one all in Italy. Uh, not a bad game. I mean, both teams are. Yeah. 
a little bit of work in progress. I mean, Italy have a, you know, I think a 17 match on 19, run, 19 match on yeah. run right now. So they're, they're playing pretty well. I mean, they have their trouble scoring goals for sure. Um, they don't really have a central striker figured out yet, but again, I just didn't feel like there was great intensity in these games this week. I don't, maybe you felt otherwise, Grail. Well, it's no Sam, you know, I've always said about Italy that there's, there's never been an, an, a national team that's more happy with a nil all draw that could go to penalty kicks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I off, like, used to hold the ball for I, I 40 minutes. I feel like there have been so many world cups where Italy just went out there and said, yeah, nil all is fine. That's true. But I mean, under, <laughs> under Mancini, they're really trying yeah. to play a more, you know, forward thinking possession, attacking high pressing game. And they, they've, They've been really fun to watch. Um, yeah. And the game against Holland in Amsterdam a few months ago, they, they really dominated, which was a surprise. And then um, England follows up a 2-1 win over number oh one ranked gosh. Belgium. I mean, uh, just, just so maddening if you're an England supporter. They actually got totally outplayed against Belgium in the first half and probably should have been down 4-0. But yeah. they somehow managed to, to you know, pull out a 2-1 win whether or not it was deserved but then they they go up against denmark and just lay an egg and thing it's like you would syria ah he just comes alive suddenly no but and then mcguire gets sent off in the 30th minute i mean he you know two tackles in the first 30 minutes that well, he's get him struggling mcguire's struggling because he's struggling he is really struggling yeah as well and he yeah. just seems he seems a uh, you know a step or two behind everybody else, and he just seems like a brute now. Like he also kind of, had that you know that international incident, right? That still kind of needs to play out. In what happened to him point. on the beach in Greece? Yeah, when he was there. Yeah, you know, well, the kind of loudish behavior, whoever you want to agree with. But I agree with you, Flinny. I think he's been off his game. He was off his game in that defeat to Spurs. Um, Big time. Yeah, Big they, time. They, they, they look really bad. So anyway, you know, I, I can only imagine the England headlines after the, in the newspapers after they lost 1-0 to Denmark. And, and then, of course, Ericsson scored the uh, winning penalty kick. Ericsson x Spurs, of course. Uh, France defeats Croatia 2-1 to uh, with Griezmann. Yeah, uh, yeah, they looked. And, and I think earlier in the week, uh, Giroud got his 100th cap, which was Great. nice for him. Your boy he Giroud. We've always loved watching Giroud play. I love Giroud, but he and he continues marching along. He continues having a really good international career, you know. And and uh, and France will. I, I think France is will be a force to be reckoned with again. They just always. have so much talent on that team. Big win for Portugal over Sweden, and that was without a COVID positive Ronaldo. Who saw that game? I, I just saw some highlights, and I again yeah. going in, I figured that they would be overmatched and maybe down a little bit without their leader and uh, yeah they just I mean three nil three nil I love thumping. to watch Portugal play I really do yeah. you just never know which team is showing up because they can play yeah. with absolutely anybody so um so and then there was some World Cup qualifying World Cup 2022 20, uh, qualifying Brazil defeats Peru uh, Neymar hat trick Neymar hat trick yeah I mean two goals late in the game which got him his hat trick and then uh and Argentina just slithered by Bolivia 2-1 with a goal in the 79th minute. And, you know, who knows? I mean, Argentina is just so impossible to predict whether or not they're going to actually – All that talent. Any kind yeah. of force. All lots, that lots, Yeah, but also just bad coaching over for so many years. All right, so I want to get to uh, Max, but before we do, um, I, I wanted to see what you guys thought about this. Arsene Wenger – 
He is currently the uh, currently FIFA's head of global development and has proposed some rule changes for the future. Sam, what what is he talking about? Yeah, so this actually, I meant to bring this up last week, but I forgot. Um, but yeah, it's just got a couple rules here that he threw out as potential things to, you know, maybe implement down the line. I think a lot of people are kind of taking, you know, this COVID break to, you know, reconsider some things, you know, assess their lives. The, the John Henry uh, Glazer thing, for example. Yeah. Um, so here are just a couple I thought I'd get your guys' take on them. Uh, the first one was changing the offside rule. Uh, said if any part of the attacker's body uh, with which they can legally play the ball was level with the last defender, the attacker would be considered onside. This is actually something I threw out. Okay. So it's, the inverse. it's actually the inverse of the current rule, really. Basically, yeah. Uh, he does concede it could be too much of an advantage for an attacker um, because it obliges defenders to play higher up. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what your guys' uh, take is on that? Oh, yeah, God, offside I'm, rule. I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. Okay. Well, so if the arm is there in the offside position, it doesn't count because if, if your head and feet aren't there. Well, it's like if you're taking a stride and your whole body is basically uh, past the defender, but your foot, your toe is still on the ground in line, then you'd be onside. What if you sort of thrust forward in a, in a sort of a dance move fashion? Could you, could you score with your penis? If you were Would doing a Twyla, Twyla Tharp move on the, on the pitch? <laughs> yeah, if you're twerking on the field to get <laughs> yeah. past the defender and uh, hey, you could score with that. I think I've scored with it. I, I, I know mean, I've I mean it's, it. it's clearly an effort to open up the offense, right, Sam? Right. Well, I, th- I think so, but it's also an effort just to make the decision a little easier. I mean, right. you know, we're getting these millimetric decisions yeah. now that just seems silly. And uh, I always I think know. the feet, that's what I, I had always played it with, with the feet. Yeah. You know, if your yeah. feet are offsides in an offside position. So what else? What else? So do we have? he's also taking a look at throw-ins and suggesting that in your own half, you would be allowed to kick the ball in. So his quote is five minutes before the end of a game, a throw in for your team should be an advantage. But in these situations, you're facing 10 outfield players in play whilst you have only nine stats show that in eight out of 10 of those throw in situations, you lose the ball. And also people get back. The other team I would say just take everybody gets goal side, take quicker throw ins as opposed to just putting the ball down and kick. No, honestly, no. I mean, you know, you know, you know the art of in a given situation just quickly getting in, the ball to an open man. Every know? game I played with, no one had an art to the throw-in. And that's why I thought it was interesting Liverpool actually has a throw-in coach. They you know, do. Well, yeah. because there's one and then there's the long throw-in that Americans sure. sort of, you know, brought up, so there's uh, well, but I think you're like, right there. Yeah, but yeah, I, think I was Go ahead, Grail. Sorry, funny. No, I was just going to say, if you're within like 20 yards of, uh, of, of the opposing goal, it a throw-in, if you have a good throw, throw-in expert, it's like a corner or it's like a restart. You can get uh, the ball deep into the box. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. But like, just like uh, Sam just said, eight out of 10 times, the opposing team wins the ball. Well, this, so is, only, this is only in your defensive half. You'd be able to yeah. do the kick-in. So. Right, I, right. I'm not a big fan. I, I okay. think the biggest thing is when the ball's, you know, you know, thrown goes out. Uh, the team gets back defensively quicker, and they all get goal side. And it's tough to play the ball quickly. So I guess almost like you play. You know, when you get fouled, guys playing the ball quickly is an advantage if you do it smartly. You know. But let know. me just ask you guys, as players and viewers, are you like throughout a match? Are you like, oh my god, we've got to change the throwing no. rule? It never even occurs to me, <laughs> to be honest with you. My, the only time it really bothers me is towards the end of the game when guys yeah. just you know you know putting it up in the stands and it's it's uh you know takes just too long to everybody resets and so no, it doesn't. Right. It, yeah, it doesn't bother me. It does, I think. 
you know, if you really think about it, it is a little bit strange that this game where you're not allowed to use your hands at all, um, you know, yeah. you're picking it up to throw the ball yeah, back like in. It would all, almost right. be like in the NBA, you had to kick the ball in. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, God. I don't know. It is a, that's a little weird, I guess. Yeah. Um, Whoever's dog that is isn't liking that either, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so outswinging corners are another one that he's getting on to. He says uh, that outswinging these corners. should be allowed to go out of play. You know when someone kicks a corner? And yeah, goes out so of play. A, right, yeah. a right-fitted player from the right side, Flinney, kicking in right. an outswinger and having it go off the pitch and back on the pitch. Right. He's saying this would create more goal-scoring opportunities. I don't mind that. From corners. Uh, first I, of all, I thought that first was of odd. all, guys, how often does it happen? It's, it happens. It happens a lot. Rarely. It happens every game. No, I bet you that happens oh, once. no, no. Um, these so guys, quarter, are, these guys are, they're so skilled. They're so skilled. They're not, they're not, they're, most of them are bending. Real, it happens. And so what we're asking is when the ball lands. It doesn't happen. So when the ball lands, it's like, uh, you know, even a, a foul ball in baseball with the wind, it comes back into play, right? So it would be the same let a, as then. Do you let a pass that's on the touchline that goes out of bounds and then back inbounds to a, a streaking player? You would under the same. That's not rule, the question, would, is it? Right. No, but I'm saying under the same. It's the same idea. The ball is coming going no, that, out of play, and then it's coming back into play. I just don't like the idea of a ball leaving the pitch and then returning to the. It's pitch. It's not leaving the pitch. It's leaving play. the airspace. Basically, it's in the airspace. That's why. Well, it's, it's not out of play. it's out of touch. It's out of touch of the field of play. So you would say that baseball, if a ball goes down the the foul pole line, right, and is out of bounds, but also the wind brings it back and it stays fair. No, because this has nothing to do with wind. This has to do with a ball that's kicked out of no, play and then is returning to play. Ball starts in know. play. Ball starts in play. Ball goes out of play in the air, not on the ground. Ball comes back into play in the air, not on the ground. Is it still in play? Yeah, I, baseball it is, but you're saying it's I'm not, soccer. I, I, I'm not going to make a big argument about it because again, right. it, I just this is above your pay grade. Obviously, I, I just think it's so it's so small in terms of what happens in, in a regular game. All right, so the, fin the final one for him is uh, allowing players to play a quick free kick to themselves, basically uh, like uh, what's like called rugby. a tap kick in rugby. Yeah, it's rugby. So yeah. he, he doesn't give any rationale for this one, but you'd assume like it's just to, to kind of keep the game moving. I don't like that one. Weird. No. I, I will say, you know, it does the, – the it would take a lot of weight away from the tactical foul because if a guy could just get up and keep going, essentially – if he wanted a, to, right? You can kind of do that now, though. Oh, but so a direct kick. All right, I see what you're yeah. saying. So I mean, like, look, you know, starting off at the the center circle there, um, you know, you you can play the ball back now, which you you know, yeah, did before you always had to play it forward. So, well, and I love the rule about the ball being able to be touched inside the box between the keeper and the defender. I think that's been great in terms that of sounded vaguely sexual. Yeah. All right. All right. We we have covered that. Arson Vanga, he's had too much time on his hands. He is. Left Get Arsenal. back to coaching. Oh Stop. my God, he was he's great. He's like in the lab. He's in the lab with a lab coat mixing up these ideas. Forget all right. it. So he's come up with some things, and uh, Grail has shot all three of them down <laughs> very, very aggressively. Oh, all right. So let's uh, <laughs> let's take a break here. We're going to come back uh, with our man Max Bredos, uh, the voice of LAFC. He's always great to talk to. Always has uh, some great insights. And he's been working a bunch uh, through this, uh, this COVID pandemic. He's always on everything. So, uh, so stick around. You're listening to Over the Ball. Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Go to SoccerAmerica.com slash join and sign up for the Soccer America Pro Membership. It's just $4.90 a month or $49 a year. And by Ticket IQ, the simplest and cheapest way to buy tickets. 
go to TicketIQ.com. And when it asks for the promo code, punch in OTB10 for $10 off of your purchase. Can't lose. All right, joining us now on Over the Ball, he's a former host at Fox Sports. He's a former host at ESPN. He's a former male model. You used to see him in your Sunday inserts throwing a football in his underwear. Now, he is the voice of LAFC. Welcome, Max Bredos. What's happening? How are you? Technically, I didn't want to stop doing that, but uh, I got old. <laughs> you had enough no, footballs in your closet. And, there. And JC Penny looked at me one day and said, no, not interested. Sorry. Uh, so, Max, uh, you know, tough loss last night for LAFC. Uh, talk to us a little bit because, you know, it's uh, such a high-profile jobs that you've had in the soccer world with Fox Sports and then with ESPN and, and doing SportsCenter and everything. What is your day like doing an LAFC game um, there on the West Coast? Because we don't always get to see you, uh, you know, here on the East. So talk us through a little bit about what your day is like. It, it's interesting because, you know, working at ESPN, you're, you're a national uh, broadcast and you, you could be seen at any time. But at LAFC, you're reminded and you kind of have to approach it a little differently. You, are, you cater to this audience. So you talk about LAFC you spin it towards LAFC and yeah. you try to bring that audience as close as possible. And you kind of have to not ignore, but um, just be hyper-focused to that audience. Cause you know, it's for the club and the club, you know, it, it, there's a dollar sign attached to everything you do. So you want to really handle that with, with, with care. So um, the calling the games is a small part of what we do. And uh, just for self-preservation with the, with the yeah. club in, in a changing environment, anything they do, you uh, you want to be involved with so we we do an Instagram live show we we do a podcast uh, which I will be doing later today. There's a um, I called the the FIFA games for our players. I did that on Wednesday and it was like three hours calling video games, which is probably a little longer than I would like. Your pipes but, don't uh, want that, man. <laughs> yeah, my wife's going. What are you doing? You're 48 and you're up there and your your whole calling <laughs> FIFA games. And I go. But I, I enjoy That's supposed it. to be your son, Max. Plus, <laughs> plus, you come downstairs after three hours, you sound like Lou Rawls. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, Max, I will say this. I love Lou Rawls, by the way. I, I love him too. I, You'll never find. But I, I will tell you this. Uh, you look like you're having a really good time uh, with everything Not you're true. doing now with LAFC. And that's what I wanted to talk about because <laughs> it seems like you know, we love our soccer and our footy and um, you just seem like you're having fun. And so that's, that really translates through the screen when I, when I get to see you and the stuff that you're doing, you just, it's a, it looks fun. So, I mean, I was going to ask you about that because first of all, MLS, a lot of the viewership is done in a sort of provincial way. So you have to build that local, you know, sort of uh, feel for everything, which is totally, you know, you're like Switzerland when you're ESPN, you can't, uh, you know, tip your hat towards anybody. But um, I think if more people did what LAFC did, we would maybe start to build more sort of um, regional and, and bi-coastal, uh, you know, competitions, um, you know, for the fans and stuff. So, um, so, so, that's, so that's good. So you've been there, what, this is your second year now, right? Or third? Third year. Third year. So there, it was, I, I came in when they started in 2018. So this is the third season, a season like no other, unfortunately. But uh, has its unique challenges, but I'm glad we're still doing stuff. I mean, it could be a lot worse, you know, it could have shut down, but uh, yeah. Hey, you know, I was talking to someone last night, they're a restaurant owner and they said they got through the summer and they basically broke even. And I go, breaking even is a win. That's a win. Right now. Big that time. is a win. And so, you know, you guys have been, uh, you know, we we're talking about this earlier in the show uh, before you got on um, because we do talk about other things besides you. Well, thanks for the invite. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just about, uh, you know, getting through this, this period of time and how maybe things will change on the other end. But one of the things that has been great is how MLS had this whole bubble and it, they had a, a tough start, but they figured out how to make it work. And like, I'm loving watching football now, NFL. They're acting like they're the first ones out of the gate and they're experiencing all these problems. It's like, guys, it's been going on for months, European football and, and here at MLS, even NBA. Um, so uh, what was that like? What was it like being in the bubble at the start of the season? Were you, were you there or were you in L.A.? I was not there. And really, uh, there's no contact to anything. So generally I would go to their, their training facility two times a week. I haven't been there in months. And that's where you carve out relationships where you right. say hi to the players, the coaches, you get information for everything you do and it, it, it sets you up. So we haven't been able to do that when uh, the bubble, they wanted to limit that. And I don't think honestly, no, we're glad the bubble went, but you don't want to be in the bubble if you don't have to, you know, it comes with a lot of sacrifice. And, you know, I remind people what the players and the referees and the coaches all had to go through uh, being there for so long, you know, away from your family and uh, away from all the regular stuff. Everyone's at home, but you still have some flexibility in our homes to do things. So uh, they did that. And now they are in market uh, with their games. And uh, it's, uh, it's challenging because you can't for the players you still have to be super super careful with everything you do and everything that happens outside and and like you said we got to give credit to the german bundesliga they were the first they came back in may and they showed a blueprint and everyone's kind of followed that since but there's always going to be flare-ups and in mls we have one the colorado rapids have got i think six or seven games postponed because they had a uh a bunch of positive tests. And, I, and last night I heard Minnesota had it. And I think every time you come to do a game, you hold your breath because this is going to happen. And you see it in the NFL and college football postponements. You've got to find a way to, to get from point A to point B in the season, unless it gets really bad, which is not out of the realm of possibility because it's a very contagious disease and we see it happening all the time. So when that happens and clubs come back and, you know, 80, 90% of the clubs come back with zero positive tests, it really is, a testament to what they are doing uh, and how safe and the precautions. So you don't want to put that at risk at all. So you, you keep your distance and, and you just admire because, you know, one club goes bad and has like six positives like Colorado. If that is two clubs, it becomes a problem. And then, oh, so on. So they've maintained a really, they've maintained it really well. And uh, I'm just, I'm in awe with how they've been, you know, we're the finish line for this season is November 20th as it stands. It's coming into view here. And if they can get the, it's really, it's one of those things you just got to get through it, you know? You got to get it under your belt. I mean, we enjoy the season, but very far, a far cry from a regular season. But you just got to get it under your belt. And then at the end, it's, you know, like running a marathon. Hey, we did it. Hey. Right. Like I said, it goes back to just breaking even, man. That's the thing. Yes. It just got to get it through. You mentioned Florida. It's 21 players, you know, positive. So you realize looking at that comparatively, wow, it's uh, pretty good. And then you said the Bundesliga organized Germans. Go figure. Uh, yes. Perfect. Grail, you had a question for Max? Yeah, uh, Max, great having you. Um, so the, the bubble, the play in the bubble wasn't really indicative of how teams are playing now necessarily. Uh, the teams that kind of did well there. I'm just curious from your perspective, who do you think is looking best now? Like who's starting to peak at the right time from your perspective? Cause I feel like we've just had two totally separate seasons 
and one didn't necessarily dovetail into the other in terms of you know who's playing the best. It's it's remarkable. I, I will say this: everyone's going to hit a bad patch or two. Yeah. It's impossible. And you know, last last night LAFC lost to Vancouver, and we had four guys on international duty. We have five or six guys. You know, about eight. I'd say six starters and eight guys that play unavailable. And we could sit here and feel sorry wow. for ourselves. But then the other teams will laugh at you going, oh, really? Look what we've had to go, go through. <laughs> yeah. Vancouver's not even playing in their home market. They're playing in Portland. And so everyone's going to have ups and downs. And it's, again, one of these things where you go, you take catalog of everything and see where you are and hope you're above water, as in, in the playoff positions as opposed and it's a forgiving season. 18 teams make the playoffs this year, so most teams will make it. But um, surprisingly, Toronto's been the best team because they have the best record, and they are one of those Canadian teams that have had to move out of market. They're playing in, in Connecticut. They're up there at Rentschler Field. So uh, they, uh, they've been – it's a remarkable thing what they've been able to do. They've stayed healthy, and they haven't had too many international – there shouldn't be any international call-ups, really, to be frank. But uh, they've been good. Philadelphia's been good. Seattle was really good as well, but they've hit a, a bit of a patch. And you'll see teams that have been terrible and they bounce back. It's, it's just a, it's a sign of the times. And, uh, but I think you just want to be in good shape by Halloween and mm -hmm. then attack and go for – and then maybe go for winning an MLS Cup if you have all your ducks in a row. But some teams – Toronto's been great the whole time, but – I think they know at some point it's gonna it's it's not gonna be sustainable. That's interesting. They're at Rensselaer Field, which is right outside of Hartford, Connecticut, which is where ESPN is and where you lived for a long time. You know why the Toronto's doing so well? Because there's nothing to do in Hartford. That's <laughs> the thing, man. They're all just hanging out playing foosball if, in the in the if lounge. You're in Hartford, you can't go to the games. They're gonna go, uh uh, if they want empty stadiums. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Sam, you have a question? Yeah, Max, from a, from a technical standpoint, how, how does it work, you calling these games? I mean, I, I assume the away games you're doing from the studio, are you at the home games? And then, you know, do you find yourself maybe talking more, trying to, like, you know, get some atmosphere into the game when there's no fans there? I mean, what's that experience like? Yeah, I haven't thought about that. I do talk a fair bit, and, and if you let the game breathe and it's just quiet, then you, you feel it. But uh, LAFC actually is uh, – is the exception because they uh, decided to play some audio and mimic the audio that they would get. And it's a painstaking process where they time what a normal game would sound like. At minute 15, they have the supporter section, the 3252, do one of their chants, and it plays at minute 15. And they have the ebbs and flows. So, Dude, I mean, it's, 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 it's fabricated and you sense it, but it, I, it stark silence it's 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 much improvement over that so uh it's very strange sam and we, we the road games we do from a studio and again we our feed went out for a bit you don't know what's going to happen but the home games uh there's these really strict protocols and the first time i was in the stadium it was great you're like oh, i'm here and there's where i would my friends would sit that's where i'd go get my beer and yada 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 and then the second time you did it it really starts to wear on you and the third time and you're yeah. like, you have to go up this elevator and come down this flight of stairs. And then it's like, this isn't a lot of fun. And it's <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. it's not, it's not going to work big. If they say we can't have fans say in 2021 for long straight, it's not going to work. I just, just that simple. And uh, it's, it's like I, what I said, let's get through this, but it's, it's very sterile. It's very strange. 
And we, like everyone, you make the best of it. It's great to call a game and be at the stadium. But I, 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 every time I'm there, and I've been there, I've called a game three times, it's less enjoyable each time. You know, you mentioned something about when you're during normal times, you're down on the field, you're talking to the guys, you get to know who the jokester is, who the good storyteller is, who the sort of the A-dog is, uh, which colors your commentary. You know, it kind of fills in the, the, the gaps. And I, it's one of the things that I think soccer needs in this country, because I notice a lot of people don't know, they know their team sometimes and who the players are, but like we know other professional sports we know people we know things about them where they went to college where they played you know what their deal was uh, you know how much they signed for and I think that's one of the, the things in soccer that hasn't quite come across because you know I might know NYFC and and what's going on there but I you know don't know so much about uh, the, the galaxy or LAFC or something um, so this is another thing that's that's tough to sort of uh, overcome in the booth man I think uh, you got a lot on your plate and I, I take a lot of pride in those, in those moments of giving a little bit of a uh, background of the other team. And in Major League Soccer, as you said, it's a very parochial situation. And you want, I think, our end game is that, like, for instance, we have an LAFC fan. And they're new to the league. They are new maybe to soccer. And, okay, they're, they're going to watch LAFC games. But you want them to, to take uh, interest in everything. So, hey, look, if you're an LAFC fan, you've got to care what the Galaxy are doing because that's your rival or Portland mm -hmm. or the, the league-wise. So maybe you watch an extra game and you give them a reason and that's, that's growth. So that's important to do it. So, I mean, when you're calling a game, it's, it, you, you, you do as much as you can about your home team. And it is, you know, they pay the bills. But there's interesting stories and you want to convey those over to some folks and say, hey, well, look, this guy in New York City FC, he has, he has eight fingers and eight toes and he still is a soccer, whatever it is. But uh, it, it's, uh, you want to get so much information. Most of it you don't use. It's just right. a sponge and soak it in. That's my philosophy and say, okay, keep it. Catalog it, catalog. You may not use this, but just pack it with, with as much as you can. Yeah, and then you never know when one of those facts comes out of yeah, the they will. You know, deep they will recesses of your reptilian core yeah. there. So, <laughs> Grail? Yeah, so Max, just uh, would love to hear a point of comparison between your match commentary work and, and what you've done in the studio, just kind of the pluses and minuses of both, what, what excites you about, you know, one or the other, um, and just uh, give our listeners a little bit of a, uh, a look into that. Well, and Kevin can attest to this, was we worked at Fox. I mean, I, I started my career calling everything off monitors. And uh, we'd call like the Bundesliga at 6 a.m. And I, and this is a true story. I'd show up in a robe and slippers. <laughs> cigarette, <laughs> cigarette, you know, a whiskey sour and put it down. <laughs> hey, Akai, welcome to uh, Fritz Dobler Stadium. Uh, so, <laughs> the comfort level. I and after a while, you get so used to that because, you know, when you go to a stadium, you, you know, there's, you know, you have to go through the security and got to, shave yeah it's a great way to learn right max no pressure you know you get uh what was that dan what was his name who gave us all a shot over at uh fox dan um, oh dan Pal Patton? dan Patton or no it doesn't dan Patton. oh god he's a great guy um but yeah the, the stakes were so low not <laughs> no not okay um, i call him all the time still i see i see he weighs in on stuff so i think he's yeah. down in palm palm springs in right fort lauderdale before he wasn't oh. he's now in fort lauderdale but uh he semi-retired yeah yeah sort of um but yeah he was like an ogre back yeah. then a tough guy um but it was the beginning of it all right it was uh, i remember i was living in new york city and i watched an ireland italy qualifier that was on and i was like 
this channel what is the story well, who's, i called my point? agent i'm like you know get me on this there's nothing like this you know and that's, and, that's when i met you guys in the hall it was really a loose kind of a great crew it was but it, it's a and Grail, just to, i guess to finish that thought yeah. it's um calling a game when you're at the stadium you don't miss anything you see the formations and i've realized calling games off monitors for the first few years i think i first called a game at stand remember i first did it i was at the coliseum i go i'm actually here calling a game i can't believe this <laughs> you know like a prisoner of war coming out oh! out of the movies people out are the staring movies. at me what is this what is that a car but um it calling off monitors really helps you because you it's you you have less and you know you have to do with less. And then when you have more, I think if I did it in reverse, it would be really difficult. Mm. But then you, it's, you know, an embarrassment of riches of all the, everything. You see the sideline and the, you, you, you lean into your instincts when you call it off monitors, assuming things. You don't want to say stuff that's inaccurate, but you go, all right, you see someone coming up. They usually bring this guy off the bench first. It's a good idea to maybe assume that it might be this guy or learning the ebbs and flows. But I, 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 Calling off monitors, if people wanted to start doing this, I would say do that, do as much as you can, and you will see how much uh, it, because everything became easier for me because you're doing it off a monitor. And sometimes at Fox, we're doing a monitor that's this big. Mm -hmm. You know, someone's watching it off a 62-inch television. I'm doing it off a phone. Aye, aye. So, and no uh, one cares. You know, they're like, they don't know that. I used to say that when I'm on camera, the, the guy used to just say, nobody cares that, uh, no cares. that, no one cares. Something, that there's a lawnmower outside or anything. They just want to know what's happening on camera. So, Sam? Uh, yeah, looking again at LAFC, Max, um, I'm just curious, after such a good regular season last year, what you kind of put their struggles down to this year? Obviously, it's a unique season. Um, is it too easy, though, to just say that, you know, Carlos Vela's absence kind of has impacted everything? I don't think so. It's, uh, I mean, it's such a high, and we always said that. It's never always going to be this good. And they started this season in the, in the CONCACAF Champions League where they're playing uh, Mexican clubs. And they knocked out Leon, who's really the best team in Mexico right now, standing-wise. And that was an incredible achievement. So they had this huge high. And then uh, they labored a little bit. They knew that they, uh, they, uh, they pivoted. Everything that LAFC did last, LAFC last year was a magic year. But if you look at the team, it was always a, a, it's a long build because they signed – 20-year-old, 19-year-old guys from South America, and they immediately gave them the uh, responsibility. So it's the youngest team, I believe, in MLS. So this was a long-term play. And obviously with the Carlos Vela injury and some other situations, it just didn't quite fit. They had a lot of turnover. But uh, it's – I know they're, they're very patient when you talk to them. They go, look, it's going to pay off because all these guys are going to get experience. And – and maybe they're just realists about Major League Soccer. You can have those seasons where you win the Supporter Shield, and that's all fine and dandy, but it's about winning MLS Cup, and it doesn't really matter if you finish first or, or fifth or sixth. Not to make any excuses, but, I mean, there, there's no panic with that. And, they, they, and I think when the season came, they said, look, it's going to be a forgiving season. If we have a guy who gets called up, we're going to let him go. If right. we have a guy who's injured, we're not going to rush him back. We're going to let them come back slowly. And they have done that. And every club has done that. And if, if you have a hole, you don't sign a player just because uh, you want to do the quick fix for the season. You kind of let it play out. And they've done that. And, again, many other clubs have. So it's kind of brought everyone more closer together, I guess. And, you know, well, if one thing's for sure is, is Bob Bradley is great at developing young players. And he's also organized. Um, never see that guy panic. So, um you know, you're in good hands, I would say, over at LAFC. Grail? 
Yeah. So Max, if you have any free time, I was just curious what soccer you like to watch abroad, you know, which teams you like, which players, like what would you go out of your way or who would you go out of your way to watch? If you had the, the not New Zealand time. rugby, not New Zealand rugby. Oh, I love it. Well, I, I, well, I, with ESPN, I watched everything. And honestly, I'll watch everything. But the one thing, and this is not soccer that I've really gravitated to, is uh, Aussie rules football, AFL. Yeah. Uh, because uh, they're at the end of their season, the stadiums are relatively full, there's atmosphere, and then they're in the playoffs now. So you get that playoff intensity. So that, that's been moved to the top. Uh, New Zealand played Australia in a, in a rugby test in a packed stadium in Wellington. I watched that and I was just, just so excited I, with all the soccer I watch, but the empty stadiums kind of get to you. I will say the best thing I watched uh, during this pandemic was when they had that abbreviated champions league with there was mm. like 12 teams remaining. And I told my text, my friend, I was watching Bayern Munich, Barcelona and Bayern won eight zip. And I said, you know what? It was first so much was going on in the field. You know, Barcelona were getting torn apart. It was this yeah. historic moment. And I said, I didn't even notice it was an empty stadium for the first time. I didn't notice. And then I went back to her not noticing. But that was, an, that was the, the best thing I have seen. Um, but, you know, there were South American World Cup qualifiers. Those were important. I watched that this week. Uh, I've actually been calling some Copa Libertadores, which is the Champions League of South America. I've been traveling to Miami do that, to do that. I'm going to do that next week. And it's more games to call, and I love it. But... It's um, it's a real thrill to do it. It's uh, what's it like doing it in, in your? Let's. Well, I think your first language is Spanish. Was it, is it your first language Spanish or yeah, English? Yes, I was. My first language is Spanish, but I don't call it anything in Spanish. My Spanish. Oh, you don't? Because I was going to ask you because uh, you know, you have uh, uh, what? Not Eddie. Uh, Eddie Izzard does stand up in like three different languages, four different languages. I, really? The beats, the timing. Yeah, he did it in French. Does it? In I could do stand up in in Spanish because it'd be forgiving, but it's calling a game. We actually need to do it. I would butcher the language along the way because it's nonstop talking. Right, right. But I as mean, an American, people are just happy when you're trying to speak their language. They're like, "Oh, yeah. that's very good. Muy bien. Cafecito." Hey, so uh, you and I have talked about uh, and followed the U.S. men's national team for a long time. This is a very odd sort of situation because they have not played for a long time. And generally, during World Cup qualification, we, we've talked about this in the show before, players sort of bleed in and out. You know, guys kind of uh, you know age out and then new guys sort of dovetail in. What's been interesting about this, new coach, new system, a lot of new players, and a lot of we haven't seen them play in a long time. What are, uh, what are you expecting? Because we've got a lot of guys who are playing in some pretty high-profile places. Uh, what are you expecting from the team and what are you looking forward to? I don't know what to expect because I've never seen what's happening before with this talent because yeah. now, I mean, you, you have like Clint Dempsey at Fulham and uh, McBride and Oppenheim, but now you have Christian Pulisic, a star at Chelsea and Gio Reyna, a star at Borussia Dortmund, who's getting rumored to be going to Real Madrid, Sergio Dest at Barcelona. You have these guys playing at top up uh, Weston McKinney at Juventus when he's not getting COVID from Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I should have done that joke in Spanish. Exactly. So that's very off color, but anyway, Los <laughs> so I watched these, I watched the best clubs of the world. And then there's a sidebar where I get to watch these players. It's amazing what they are doing. 
And I'm, the enthusiasm is there. It's more so because they don't really play. They pl- they're going to play some games in November, but they won't play an important game until the summer of 21. Right. And uh, they're just young. So when they all get together, what's that going to look like? I'm sure it's not going to look great because they still have to learn each other. And, you know, all national teams need uh, some veteran leadership. But I'm excited to see that process. And Mexico is also doing the same thing. They have some incredible, more experience. They have incredible players. So uh, I'm really excited about when World Cup qualifying rolls around, when the Gold Cup comes around, to see these guys grow. The one thing is I think Christian Pulisic is he's, – he's the alpha – he can be the alpha male at Chelsea. So he is destined, if he stays healthy, to be the leader of that team. And uh, it's, it, was pretty, it was pretty dire, you know. Yeah. 2019, there was nothing really to get excited about. Now it's a different story altogether. You know, I think it's also amazing is, you know, this is a young generation of guys. They're also very telegenic. They're also very media savvy with their Twitter accounts and posting things constantly. Um, and I think that's a great way to sort of sell what's happening out there because there's these, these great stories happening overseas. And just because they happen over there, um, you know, we, we need these stories to be told here. So, uh, hey, I want to go back. We got to get going. But um, I wanted to ask you quickly. You know, nobody feels sorry for LAFC when they have guys going national team duty. You mentioned that earlier. It's like, oh, you're losing national team oh, players. Oh, poor you. Yeah. Injuries are a different story. But, you know, Carlos Vela, the guy's magic. He's absolute magic. And he's, you know, he can win a ton of games for you. Um, just And fantastic to watch, even when he, he doesn't score. It's like just the things he does on and off the ball are amazing. Uh, he had a huge impact on LAFC. Chicharito has come in. He's really sort of struggled. I know it's the Galaxy, but um, what, what are your thoughts on that? What, do you think he's just a little too old? Is he aged out like we were talking about with the national team guys? Or, um, or has he just not found his stride yet? I don't, I don't think it's age. But, I mean, he had a lot of, a lot of tread taken off the tires uh, over the years with the career <laughs> he has had. It's true. I mean, it's a great was, way to put it. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a busy guy. And, yeah. uh, Especially he, in the box. Yeah, it's, and I, I feel, I feel terrible, you know, and look, the galaxy, we, we throw mud at each other all day in this city. I, I honestly feel bad for them because the league is better when they're competitive and right. they are, they've, they lost again badly last night and Chicharito can't score and it doesn't seem like it's working, but there is a trajectory. He was scoring goals and then he went to West Ham couldn't really get any minutes. Then he went to Sevilla and they couldn't get rid of him. The minute he left Sevilla, started tearing it up and they won the Europa League. So, you know, the confidence is really low. It's etched on his face. Mm -hmm. He is, he has to muscle through that and find a way to find that form. And a lot of players do that, but this is not Zlatan. This is, he's, uh, I know he's expecting a a son or another child here soon. And there's a lot of things and distraction. And I, I, you know, this is, this is first world problems, but he's making a ton of money and, you're not producing that has to mess with you because you're like, well, is this my last big contract? No one's going to touch me. Yeah. Uh, if, if this is the case, you want to keep it going. You want to keep making money and big money. So, I mean, he's had no effect uh, commercially COVID a big reason. Uh, no true. one even knows he's playing there. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it, all the uh, euphoria is gone. It's really a sad certain mm. situation. I mean, it's not the end of the story. And you don't want to put, you know, give him his a eulogy at the end of COVID with his career, but you want to give him a, a fair strike when it comes back into 2021. But uh, it's been, it's been worst case scenario because yeah. 
He's been healthy too. He just hasn't scored. He, you know, Max, he's not even getting touches on the ball. And uh, that's the hard part. They're just not finding him. And they, sometimes as a player, you play harder against the high, the high priced talent because you just, you give it sure. your, your all, you know, just a, a little bit more. But if there is a silver lining in this uh, is that, uh, you know, the MLS was seen as, or MLS was seen as a league where, you know, guys were just going to age out and, and finish up their careers and kind of hang out in LA and, have a cocktail and make some money and bring their families. And, and that's just not the case. I think with Ibrahimovic, you know, leaving and then going and doing well, uh, you know, back overseas, it shows you that this is a competitive league. It's getting, uh, it's getting better and better. Though I must say at times I watch MLS and they're, they have the inability to, uh, to have possession for long periods of time. Like we watch a Liverpool or, or, you know, and maybe it's unfair to, to compare them to those leagues, but the play has certainly gotten better. It's not a pushover anymore. Um, but we, you know, want to continue and, to de- and, and developing a lot of good young American talent mm-hmm. and the pipelines open. And part of the reason of those guys that we talked about playing in Europe, a lot of them started in academies here. And, uh, there's a guy, Caden Clark for the Red Bulls. Oh, what a goal scored. he scored, huh? That was, for two but there's, there's 17, 16, uh, 18 yeah. year old guys that are all, uh, it's one of the, the good byproducts of the season in COVID is that you have to play them. And a lot of them have said, I'm and they're, I, I've got the goods. Mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, it's not just one or two guys. It's like eight, nine, ten guys. And that's been a c- tremendous development. Yeah, I'd say that's the, the biggest thing. I remember when I got the chance to get on the pitch, it was just those, those first six months of experience that you get that no one can ever take away from you that generally younger American players classically never got in this country. And MLS has given them that. It's also given a lot of the South and Central American teams opportunities. And then we have to qualify against them as their young players get better as well. But Hey, we're America, and we're, baby, and, and we're and we're giving them that experience to right, take back right. and beat us. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so it's uh, we appreciate you being on the show, Max. I know you're a busy, uh, busy brother over there in LA. Um, I'm going to join you living there. We're going to move the OT studios. Yeah, which is called my computer. Yes, and then, uh, it's 110 uh, degrees right now in Sherman Oaks. So, oh my uh, God, I know. So Fernando Valley, but um. You know, like you said, this season, uh, I think it's been a great job, uh, not just by you personally, and, uh, but by the league itself. And as we said earlier in the, in the broadcast here, uh, let's just break even this year and keep the, uh, keep the ball rolling, my And friend. they may not even break it. They're, they're, they're going to lose a lot of money. A lot of people are losing money. There's no doubt about it because they, they, MLS makes money for people coming to the stadiums. They don't have a huge TV contract. So everyone's going to – breaking even would, is probably – best case scenario. Dream. I don't think anyone's going to hit that. It's just one of those things like well, I, I, I would say Max, if you, if you lost money, join the club. Everybody, yes. <laughs> join, join the club. Did I not tell you I'm working for free? I'm yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you and I are collecting aluminum cans in Sherman Oaks next week. That's what we're going to be doing. Alright, Max Bredos from LAFC, the voice of the male model in the underwear. Uh, we appreciate you for joining us on Over the Ball, my friend. Thank you, gentlemen. It was a good time. Hey, remember to tweet us at Over the Ball, like us on Facebook and Instagram, and write a review. In fact, make us one of your favorites. It makes a big difference. Always great to talk to Max Bredos. I miss him. He's living on the uh, West Coast now, but guess what? I'm heading out there too, so I'm going to see him again. He's always fun to talk to, guys, isn't he? What a wonderful guy. Lo- yeah. Love him. Ener- great energy, incredibly knowledgeable. We need more Maxes out there. Yeah, incredibly, incredibly hardworking, too. Yes. He's hopping down to Florida to call Libertadores games. He's all over the place. You know, I uh, met Max first when we, we talked about it a little bit at Fox Sports World. It was Fox, I think it was Fox Sports World first, then Fox Soccer Channel. But um, I was the host of the channel, and he was one of the salesmen. And he, he 
comes over and just starts talking and was like complimentary and a nice guy. And it's so rare in this business. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, he just had this magnanimous personality. So it was, uh, it was great to talk to him. I'm glad that we're still friends after all these years. Hey, we both mentioned that Caden Clark goal. If you haven't seen that soccer America has it, it's a 17 year old kid he scored two MLS goals in two games and uh, this last one, man, was a rocket with his left foot upper corner. Um, even the goalkeeper at the end of the game was like, okay, man, you, you got to give people their due when they nail a nice one like that. So, uh, so check that out. Um, nice. Sam, talk a little bit about the college cups. There's some updates on that. With what's yeah, the, uh, this, is, this is from Soccer America pointing out that um, the NCAA has picked the sites for, I think, the next five college cups, the final fours. Um, right. The one that really stands out to me, they're really going for it. Um, and they're going to play in 2024 in Rail Yards Stadium, which is in Sacramento. Sacramento. It's currently being yeah. built. It's not there yet. But um, that's where they're going to play. That's going to be with a capacity of 21,000, um, which I don't know. I'm curious to get your guys' take. I looked it up. The uh, that That's twice the capacity of Wake Med Soccer Park, which is 10,000, where the Final Four was held uh, in 2019. Uh, and for which the attendance was 8,413 for the final. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Grail, go ahead, because I have some thoughts on this. I yeah, mean, I mean, Flinny, I know you've been to a number of finals, and uh, 21,000, I think they would need a stadium that holds 210 people or something, because yeah. the average attendance is, you know, well, you said 8,000, Sam. Yeah, I, I would rather have a smaller stadium that was full than a big stadium that's just empty. Again, once we get post-COVID, that would be my wish. So I wouldn't just go for bigger. I would go for atmosphere. Well, I'm all for this, though, because I think it gives them something to aspire to. Because, you know, right now, uh, the College Cup is totally underutilized. Uh, so much potential for that. I remember I went to, to uh, Kansas City and watched the Final Four there when, um, when Mike Noonan's Clemson team was playing in the finals against Stanford. Uh, I think that's what it was. Yeah, and it was... Um, that's a great game. game. It was a great game, and there was there was no one there. First of all, you're playing in cold weather through the NCAAs. You build up no, you know, you're playing in New England, in November, Wisconsin, Minnesota. It's ridiculous, and the NCAA unfortunately doesn't care. They only care about football and basketball, and so I see it as a really underutilized sort of a potential growth market where you could these these like Kansas City those teams should have had every high school and co- you know other college team around in the area come watch these games for a cheap price see some of the best college soccer players in the country but they don't advertise it there's no build-up everybody's just trying to get through the you know I remember at UMass man the ground was just frozen solid you're playing in, in November it's like it's ridiculous and then they go into December first week of December um you know and so the, the West Coast teams have an advantage uh, it's it's just it's something that could really be big. And if you think about the final four in basketball, I don't think it, uh, Grail, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't yeah. until like the, the late seventies, right. That that started to, to uh, be big. It was actually, I went to the finals in 88 between when Kansas won it with uh, Danny Manning and, and uh, Larry Brown was their coach in Kansas, in their arena. And wow. it was about, a, it held maybe 10,000 people it started changing late eighties. They started going into like the Georgia dome and places like that. Right. And, uh, yeah, but, but look, if they, if they can draw the crowd in Sacramento, Hey, I, I will be proven wrong. I just think it would be really disappointing if they held the event there and they got 2000 people or something. Right. And, uh, the, you know, the problem is you find out, I mean, and then the guys have to play two games in a weekend. Yeah. Basically, I mean, I mean it's interesting because the lacrosse college championships, 
the men's, which they've done at Lincoln Financial Field many times in Philly, get they get like 15,000 people. Yeah, but that's like one sport with one championship. I mean, soccer, that's just so spread out with so many different competitions. I just still feel like college soccer is not uh, fully appreciated and realized. It just has so much potential. So it's yep. uh, unfortunate. And so, all right, I mentioned Mike Noonan. Got to give him a little props. Uh, Mike Noonan's Clemson toppled the number one ranked Wake Forest two to one on uh, Tuesday night. So go Noons, yeah, man. Good for Noons. Way to go Noons and, and we have to have, Tigers. Yeah, we have to have him on the show because I'd like to see what college soccer is right now. I mean, here, yeah. here they are. They're playing kind of within a bubble. They're on a college campus. Uh, they're playing, I think, just within their their region. So, or not their region, that they're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Conference. Their conference. Yeah, yeah. so... That's um, a big word. Now, what was the yeah, what was the other word? Hey, man, I said aficionado in the yeah, opening. Exactly. <laughs> so wait, let's compare the two. Conference and aficionado. You struggle with one, and the other one just rolls just, off. The I top. couldn't find the word, man. That's my COVID, <laughs> uh, my COVID brain right now. Um, no, I haven't had it. God, God help me. Um, all right, Sam, what do you got for us? Any uh, questions? I got my number two pencil sharpened here. Yeah, it's not really a quiz as such, but because we were talking about rules earlier with the Arsene Wenger thing, uh, I looked up the kind of history of, you know, history and evolution of <laughs> I love rules how we said in soccer. History. Uh, this is according to the International Football Association Board, IFAB, who basically makes the rules. Um, so I figured I'd just read off these kind of bullet points to you guys and you can react to them. Uh, any way you like and you know maybe maybe some of these rules you guys would like to bring back um, but I, it, the timing of some of them is curious so um, I think it's worth a, a look so okay the, the first rules of the game were written in 1863 in England uh, there is some debate about this but this is you know according to IFAB uh, so all the way back then any attacker who was ahead of the ball was offside so it's basically like rugby rules uh, mm-hmm. and this often led to teams lining up with eight attacking players which I thought was pretty good so that's where we started let's just keep that in mind Um, Okay, so this evolved to offsides being called if an attacker was ahead of the third to last defender. That was the first evolution of the offside rule. Right Uh now, it's two, right? The goalie and the last defender. So imagine how hard that would be to Mm -hmm. try and call. Um, Okay, the penalty kick was introduced in 1891, so about 30 years later. Um, And Reverend Grail was born. Up until I remember it well. This is interesting. Up until 1902, you could kick the ball anywhere from anywhere along the 12-yard line. So there was not a penalty spot in the middle like we have now. As long as you were 12 yards away, you could kick it from anywhere. Okay. Huh. From, you know, why, so you foot, could go off on an angle. you could go off on an angle. I, I, apparently, yeah. That would seem to be a dumb idea, but <laughs> all right. You night- you're, you're so negative today. No, but I mean, cut off your cut off your <laughs> your angle. I mean. Okay. So 1902, the penalty box, penalty spot, and goal box were all introduced. Uh, before this, there was a semicircle marking the kind of goal area. Um, however, it was not until 1912 that goalies were prohibited from using their hands outside the penalty area. Previously, oh they'd God. been allowed to use them anywhere in their oh. own half. You throw it in the net from the other box. <laughs> yeah. I love Jesus. that. A crazy that would be madness. running all over and handling That makes ball. you king. You're like king oh if you God. can... Um, I can use my hands. No, by the way, that would have been Trump if he was a soccer player back oh, then. Jesus that would have been the perfect Sam, every position. week, every week. That, we that would right have there. been the perfect position for him. Come on. You His tiny hands. So <laughs> 1925, the offside rule as we know it comes into effect, um, okay. along with the rule that you could not be offside on a throw-in. So the centennial is coming up in five years of the offside rules. as We, we got to do a celebration for that. A whole show 
Yeah. Uh, whole that's OTB a, on the offside rule. That's okay, an so, interesting rule too. I wonder the offside. Well, you can't be offside on a throw-in. I scored a goal against the University yeah, of Maine I like that. because I was standing like on the uh, you know right in the box. We had a long thrower, and and basically the defender looked at me. and goes, "Oh, come on, he's going to be offsides," and he moved forward. So it was almost like here we were, Division One college soccer. The kid didn't know the rule in the '80s that you could actually be you know, in an offside position on a throw and he threw it to my yeah. feet and I just turned and shot. Some people still don't know the rule funny. Right. Yeah. So here, I'll turn this question into a little quiz. Um, See, I always make it about me somehow, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> We're back, back to the question. And th- th- this, <laughs> this is going to raise some questions too, which I understand. But um, red and yellow cards were used for the first time during which World Cup? Okay, I'm going to say... Wow, that's, I just have no way to know that. I'm going to say I'm going to say seventy. Kevin, seventy-six. Munich. Well, Munich. that would have been that would have been off off cycle, but that's okay. Seventy-four or seventy-eight. 70. Where was seventy-four? Mexico. Germany. I th- uh, no, actually, no, no. Seventy was Mexico. So okay, Grail, you're right. It was 1970 in Mexico. Well done. Grail was um, right. It's something. Wow. This uh, this was apparently in response to a huge brawl in the 62 World Cup between Italy and Chile, where an Italian player was kicked <laughs> out of the game but didn't understand what the ref was telling him, uh, yeah, and he was eventually that. had to be let off the field by police. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> so the the question it raises, and and I couldn't answer, is you know what happened if you got kicked out of a game before this like were you you went to the stands and, and heckled uh, yeah but it's, it's i think you went to the locker room yeah, oh, did you get were you, could you be replaced right right i don't, right. I don't so, think so if you yeah. don't know sam we don't know i'll tell no, you that i right I, I think well uh, that would be my guess but we need to do a little more investigating my my guess would be you play a man down if you go off you'd think so um okay 1987 um stoppage time was introduced for time wasting um that includes you know subs injuries, injuries etc yeah i like it um, 1990 shin guards made mandatory for all players. Again, I mean, not that long Flinny, ago. Did you? Did you got? I never played with shin guards in college. Uh, in the, pro, in the my, pros, I did. In the pros, you really have no choice because you're getting beat up so bad. But in college, man. my shins were just—they looked like right. somebody took a knife to them, basically. Yeah, but they were only the size of a like you know, I don't know, <laughs> like a ballpoint pen, thimble. maybe. <laughs> thimble, a yeah. thimble. Tiny Tim's shins. <laughs> Um, okay, so 19, 1992, this is kind of considered the biggest, most recent rule, um, which is the back pass to the keeper was no longer legal. You could no longer pass it back to your goalie and he could pick it up. That, that, that was only 92. Yeah. Um, building that was like the that, equivalent. Hey, just Sam, quickly, to, to mm-hmm. bring another sport in, that was like the equivalent of the four corners in a way. Your ability to just kick the ball back to your keeper to have him pick it up was just such a time wasting thing. Really good rule change. Yeah. I remember so, watching the World Cup, though, with Dino's off. He just picked the ball up, walked around, posed, pointed, oh rolled it down, put it up, picked it up again. It was like, oh, my God, dude. So building off that, 97 um, was when you could no longer throw the ball back to your keeper and have him grab it, or he or she grab it, before you were allowed to take a throw in and have your goalie grab it. Um, Okay, 1995, you're no longer offside if you're in an offside position, but not directly involved with the play. Okay. Yeah, that confused me for a while to try and figure that one out. Um, I do like the fact that you're still able to head it back to your keeper. I like that rule. Yeah, that's fine. Because right. that requires a lot of uh, a lot of bottle when you're in the box and you decide to head it back to your keeper. A lot right? of bottle. Yeah. There's that English stuff coming out again, bottle. man. 
little bottom. Race it, he's got a little bottom. <laughs> uh, okay, 99, simulation becomes a punishable offense anywhere on the field. Excellent. Not just in the... the I like that. Yeah. What was that? Rivaldo pretended he got hit when he was taking a corner kick or something. It turned out to be nothing. And I think it, I think yeah. those those penalties should be retroactive as well. Like you get a red card after the game if you like yeah. fake because it, it incites the fans. Sure. I agree. Yeah. Uh, 2004, a player who removes their jersey during goal celebrations is cautioned for unsporting behavior. Really but thank God they didn't that. do a rule for the pants because I would have been in trouble there. Well, Ronaldo, Ronaldo's shirt is off before the ball is even entering the net for him. I think that's probably why they made the rule, because he would run to the sidelines and take his shirt and off. Poses, like, oh, just poses like a peacock. Uh, all right, and last one, 2019, just a year ago. Um, whilst revamping the handball rule, which no one really understands, um, uh, IFAB also announced that goalkeepers would no longer be allowed to throw the ball into the opposing net for a goal, which had apparently <laughs> been legal all this time. Wow. It's a long throw. It is. I think well, I, not I so long when you consider that goalies used to, you know, be able to roam their entire half and use <laughs> their hands. But, you know. I like that. Yeah, that whole image of the keeper running around maniacally in his own half is is a wonderful vision. Yeah, that'd be like Gaelic right. football or rugby. Yeah, exactly. just one guy can one guy can grab it. I'm sure there were goals. Great a lot stuff. Of goals great like great that. stuff, Sam. This was a walk down. Yeah, you went deep, yeah. deep into the archives, dusting off, going nice. to the library, going through microfiche. You know, yeah. all, that stuff. <laughs> so, all right, guys, that's all the time we have. This is a long show, but uh, a lot of fun today. It was great talking to Max Bredos. I'd like to thank him, the voice of LAFC. I'd like to thank Sam Griswold and Grail Hallett, uh, the dynamic duo. Uh, I'm Kevin Flynn. We'll talk to you next time on OTB. Remember, like us on Facebook, tweet us. We've, we'll answer your questions. Just get the word out there. Give us some review. I think uh, that's already said in the show, but, but we'll say it again. Thanks, everybody. 